This is a podcast from Cambridge Assessment. For more downloads, visit cambridgeassessment.org.uk. Okay, so I am delighted to be chairing here today, not only because it looks likely to be quite a lively um, debate on whether technology is actually changing mass for the better, um, but also because both speakers have promised to be nice and take approximately 10 minutes um, to actually do their talks, but not be so nice in the debate, which is why they're actually speaking from different lecterns and sat either side of me. <laughs> so, if like, firstly, do we invite Conrad? I'm going to rattle through my arguments for computer-based maths pretty quickly, and um, there are fuller renditions of this uh, on the web, but, uh, so I hope it will be somewhat coherent. Let me start by talking about two subjects. One subject is more required, more aspired to, more used than ever it has been in human history. And there's another subject that's more despised, uh, causing more angst and uh, more problems for governments and so forth than it ever has in human history. And I'm talking about the two different subjects, maths in the real world versus Maths in education. See, in the real world, you're doing a lot of modeling. You're applying maths for 95% of the time to subjects that aren't maths itself. And in education, you are mostly uh, cranking through calculations, if you're lucky, with the calculator. So there is a fundamental difference between these two mathematics. And my argument is that the fundamental difference is whether you use computers for actually doing the calculations. Let's zoom out a bit. Why are we learning maths? And in particular, why does everyone in the world, is it deemed that everyone in the world should learn maths? Well, I think there are three good reasons. Firstly, technical jobs, which drive our economy and our livelihoods and our society so much in the last few years. Secondly, there's everyday living. Just to survive in a modern economy and prosper, you have to be much more mathematical than you did 20, 30, 40 years ago. And third is what you might call logical thinking, mind training, whether for mathematics itself or for other areas, a way of infusing a sense of this fantastic system of problem solving that has existed increasingly for the last few thousand years. What is maths? What do we mean when we say we are doing maths or learning maths? Well, I think there are four basic parts to this. You've got to ask the right question. What is it that you're trying to solve? You've got to turn that question, step two, into, into mathematics, mathematizing as it's sometimes called. Step three is you've got to take that mathematized question and turn it into the answer in mathematized form, computation. And the fourth step is you've got to turn it back to answer the original question and verify. Crucially, you've got to make sure you did it the right, did the, got the right answer, it made sense. What we're doing right now in education is spending 80% of the time doing step three by hand. Yet this is the one step that computers can do vastly better than any human after many, many years of training. And so you've got to ask why we're not using students far more for doing steps one, two, and four, which are the crucial steps that fail them in essentially all of outside, uh, the outside world, instead of spending all their time on step three. See, the crucial thing I'm saying is that maths is not the same as calculating. It's a much bigger, broader subject. And indeed, if it isn't that broader subject, you've got to ask why everyone's supposed to be learning it. So I'm arguing calculating is not the end. It's the means to the end. 
It's the, the thing you'd like to get over. It's the thing that's now been liberated. You know, for hundreds, thousands of years, the, the sticking point in applying mathematics was the calculating. The only way you could do it was by hand, and that limited you into what you could do. Now it isn't. And one thing we've got to be very clear in distinguishing is the mechanics of the moment. It's been a long moment, hundreds of years, versus the actual underlying essence of the subject of mathematics. And I believe those have got quite severely confused. And they've got confused for a very understandable reason. We've got the most tremendous mechanization of mathematics of any subject that has happened, I think, in any reasonable part of history. The computer has completely mechanized this calculating step. Now, one of the things we've got to be clear about in this discussion is what are the outcomes we really want from mathematics? We've been trying to construct some of these. This is an N-dimensional, I can't remember how many dimensions it is, construct of outcomes. And I'm not going to go into the detail of this. But there are many, and they are way beyond knowing how to use what I would call the tools of mathematics. And they extend to concepts of mathematics and things that's come up a lot today, confidence to tackle new problems, interpreting, you know, instinctive feel of maths, critiquing and verifying. These are all crucial outcomes from a general purpose mathematics. Now, I said at the beginning, we want, you know, I'm talking here about mathematics for everyone. And people often say to me, but surely, you know, if people want to learn the mechanics inside here, that's an important thing. And yes, it is important. So is ancient Greek. The question is, would you spend 21,000 lifetimes a year making people learn ancient Greek around the world? And I would say, no, that's not justifiable. I think the history of hand calculating, as I would like to characterize much of our maths curriculum, is in that category. If people are interested in it, it's fantastic that they should pursue it. I'm not for one minute suggesting that people who get engaged and interested shouldn't pursue it. But I don't think that is the subject that is the general purpose, important subject, either at a high level or at a low level that people need to do. Please be clear that I'm talking here about computer-based, not just computer-assisted. So what do I mean? Computer-based means the subject of mathematics itself in the outside world, fundamentally changed because computers do the calculating. What a lot of people talk about with computers in education and maths is they talk about replacing the teacher with the computer or somehow supplementing them. I, I'm not in any way against doing that where it makes sense. I, there are many things technology can help with in the process of learning. I'm talking about the actual subject. So this is different from the discussion about history. I don't think history is fundamentally changed with computers. Certain aspects how you do it have evolved, but I don't think it's fundamentally changed. Maths has. The subject is different. And the key point here is, you know, a better deployment of the wrong subject. However well you teach it, it's not going to make it the right subject. And I think that's one of the positions we're currently in. Another thing I think is a mistake is we currently have what I call mechanic-centered mathematics. So you look down a curriculum, it talks about inverting matrices or simplifying thirds, one of my particular dislikes. Um, but uh, the point is that's about the internal mechanics. That's about machining the piston if you're learning to drive a car. What we should be doing is problems, problem-centric mathematics that tie back to the conceptual understanding people need. You start with the problem, the thing that people might actually be interested in solving. You know, whether that's how many levels am I separated by on Facebook, What's a beautiful shape? Perfectly rational problem. You know, how much do I need to compress a photo or video or music before you notice? You know, these are things that, that actually people have to do every day. And, of course, with a computer, you can actually play with these things. You can see what happens when you compress an image more or less and how it affects it. 
you know, without necessarily doing all the calculations yourself. You can go much further. It's a much richer thing. More practical is more conceptual in the modern world. The mathematics we need in the outside world is highly conceptual. It's got much tougher than it was 40, 50 years ago. So if we mimic that, we are also gaining the rigor in quotes, although I dislike that word, the conceptualism, the intellectualism that we need. It's not a choice that both are possible at the same time. And that's a rare possibility, I think, in any subject. Please be clear about this. If you remove the computer from mathematics, you remove most of the context. What do I mean? The reason that mathematics is so predominant in the world today is because you can apply it to many subjects that you couldn't apply it to 50 years ago, like biology, like social sciences, stuff with hair all over it. If you remove the computer, you can't do that. You can't do data analysis without a computer. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's no good trying to learn how to do it with 10 data points because that's not what anybody does and you don't have any hair over it and all the problems you actually get in the real world don't crop up. So understand that if you remove the computer, you remove the context and the context is where a lot of the intellectual and conceptual interest, I think, in the subject for many people is, except for people who really, really want to go on and become pure mathematicians. And even then, I think there's a lot of interest there. Another crucial part of the context is programming. People ask me sometimes, why is there less algebra in the outside world? Well, because a lot of it's turned into programs. And I compare programming not only as a way in which you instruct a computer, but as a way in which you write down mathematics. To me, programming is to maths a little bit like composition is to English. It's a fundamental building block of today's machinery for doing mathematics. So I think I'm making a fairly general point here about mathematics to sum up, which actually is a point about education in general, but it happens to be extremely, you know, in a sense, mathematics is its, is its biggest uh, case, certainly at the moment. You've got a choice when new mechanization or automation comes into a subject in terms of how you educate people for that subject. And the choice is this. Do you decide that you want them to replicate the machinery and learn how to do what the machinery now does, or do you want them to stand on that new machinery and go much, much further? History shows us that the second is the only possible long-term outcome. You cannot get everyone doing what all the machinery does, nor do you particularly want to. There is a difference between learning the mechanics inside and learning how you operate today's mechanics to get to the essence of the subject. And that's what I'm arguing for. And now, what's happened in the last 30, 40 years to mathematics is it got automated. It got automated more than any other subject in recent times by a computer, a fantastic, so to speak, tool of automation for mathematics. Okay, I'm just at the end here. So my argument is computer-based maths is inevitable in the world. And the question is, when and how and who first? Well, Estonia, we're doing, starting off with Estonia to produce uh, an early start at this. And, uh, you know, either mathematics will turn into ancient Greek or it will turn into the mainstream subject it should, applying itself to the real world and to what everybody needs. Thanks. And so hopefully, I'm hoping we can all unscramble what mathematics is really about and stand on its power. Thank you.
I don't recall any promise to um, be nice. <laughs> I have to say, it's a long time since I've spent an afternoon where I have heard so much confusion. I prefer to respond spontaneously, but to try to su- support discussion, this was all prepared in advance. Fortunately, Conrad has preached the sermon many times, so one has some access to what he might want to say. And I will try to respect the ten minutes. Mathematicians appear not to understand the number five or the number ten today. But, uh, so I will focus essentially on one thing. But it's not the whole story, but it's more relevant than most. The title of this debate asks whether technology has changed mathematics for the better. There is, in fact, no disagreement that technology has changed the focus of mathematics and the extent of its applicability, often in dramatic ways. Conrad and his colleagues are at the cutting edge of this fast-developing world and do truly impressive work. But that's not in education. This does not mean, therefore, that they should be taken seriously when they talk arrant nonsense about the question, how should mathematics be taught to beginners? Nevertheless, if you've even started to read your homework sheet, you'll see that there is complete agreement that something in England needs serious attention. It's just that the missing ingredient is not computer-based mathematics. What is mathematics? Mathematics is a very precise way of thinking about certain mental constructions. It's a mental universe with its own rules. The ideas, methods, and results of mathematics, unfortunately, do not seem to be hardwired into the brain. But they've emerged in human culture because they're commensurate with the brain's potential architecture, which is plastic in young children and can be molded. But because the brain's architecture can be shaped, mathematics can be learned. And once it's been learned, it can be used to solve an impressive array of problems. Among the ideas, methods, and results of mathematics, some provide a natural way in and appear to hold the key to pupils constructing and mastering this complex mental universe. Ah, The known ways of improving maths education focus on mastery of these key ideas that allow pupils to enter into this mathematical universe. So for the foreseeable future, the adult world is likely to be dominated by computing. The question we therefore need to consider is how relevant is this to how we teach mathematics to children? Conrad's popular pitches, and we saw it earlier today, constantly repeat that math is not equal to calculating that math is much greater than calculating, much more than. Who could disagree? I've devoted my professional life to giving substance to the variant math is calculation plus dot, 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 what goes in the space. This is much harder than it may appear. But the venture is not helped by sloganeering, such as math has been liberated from calculation, but that liberation didn't get into education. Uh, The quotes are mostly quotes. 
Um, for the adult who's using mathematics, it may sometimes be true that calculating is the limiting part which computers can now do for the adult. But the learner is in a very different position, for she is faced with the task of constructing his or her own mental universe of mathematics. So one's faced with a completely different problem. Each such learner is like somebody struggling to play the violin or piano, where, contrary to common belief, the goal is not really to produce a perfect performance, for which you could buy a CD or something, but to train the brain to coordinate and interpret the dots on the page and the markings, the bowings, the fingerings in the score with decisions in the brain which sends instructions to the fingers whose effects are monitored by the ear an astonishing process with the aim that gradually this astonishing complex of skills can become robustly available for subsequent similar challenges. This is a completely different problem compared with the adult and the way they use mathematics. This musical calculation is not some kind of redundant, optional drudgery. It's the way the relevant skills get wired into the brain. Success in this astonishing process depends on extensive, carefully structured, and progressively more challenging repetition. And as Tim said this morning, not barren repetition, but progressive, imaginative, satisfying, challenging repetition. Without this repeated exercise of basic musical calculation, there will be no music worth listening to, and there can be no worthwhile music making. The same is true in mathematics. To suggest that such activity is somehow limiting or demeaning or irrelevant or redundant is to demonstrate ignorance of human development and of human culture. So the real choice would seem to be, is it enough to reach for the nearest sexy headline or technological silver bullet in education? Or should we respond rationally to current failures that are amply documented and are agreed on all sides, and to engage in a serious analysis of what's missing and what is needed on the level of the learner? If we choose the latter, we'll discover where we agree that mathematics is indeed much more than calculating, but that calculation is a crucial part, maybe the crucial part, of mathematics education. Because mathematical ideas get wired into the brain through engaging with and mastering carefully designed sequences of calculation, something that requires, as Tim stressed this morning, more time and more imagination than we think. If you look at what happens in Singapore, China, and Flemish Belgium, and Russia, they spend time on these things not to train people like sort of rats, but to develop the imagination and the creativity. It's very, very different. The astonishing outcome of our own recent neglect is visible to us all on our homework sheet. These problems reveal the horrible truth that we have deprived our children not just of some missing ingredient, but of the much more basic prerequisite of engaging with the necessary carefully designed sequences of calculation. In the absence of this essential groundwork or staple diet, all attempts that we should focus on the missing ingredient in math is calculation plus are no better than Marie Antoinette's infamous declaration, let them eat cake. We are offering them cake 
because we think cake is a good thing. It is indeed. But in the absence of a basic diet, which you see on your homework sheet is the position we've got to, cake is not the answer. I like cake. <laughs> but it's not the answer. That's why my own efforts over time have shifted from the supplementary uh, enrichment activities, such as a book in Understanding Infinity or Mathematical Puzzling or Discovering Mathematics, to the much more mundane but much more basic and essential series, Extension Mathematics, that some of you may know. Today's date risks confusing three separate questions. Have computers influenced mathematics and the way it's used in the real world? Where there is probably complete agreement, though Conrad would understand the profundity of the change more than many of us. More relevantly, can individuals or small groups learn elementary mathematics more richly than in the past by exploiting, in either limited or extended way, the power of computers? The evidence suggests that the answer is a definite yes, or at least sometimes. For it depends on having access to a privileged level of support for the increased power that is available to lead to improved outcomes. And this then has resource implications, both of money and of competent manpower. Which brings us to the question that we really should have been asked. I see. <laughs> Which is at the bottom. Can we honestly recommend such an approach on a large scale, either now or in due course after suitable preparation? The answer should be clear. We cannot recommend it now. Our position is far too primitive and insecure. And until we begin to take seriously the question of what I would call PPD, permanent professional development, and really challenge what our serving teachers know, at secondary level in particular, then any such moves in the foreseeable future will lead to inevitable degeneration. Thank you. So they've roughly kept their promise, and we have about 10 minutes for questions now. Um. Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and add in some responses as well, as, 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 uh, either first or as the questions come I'm up. sure these two would quite happily sit here and argue for the rest of, well, this evening. I was wondering if anybody had any questions from the audience at all. more of a, a, a comment and um, I must say that I'm firmly on Tony Gardner's side in this debate here Neanderthals um, together uh, <laughs> 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 um, <clears throat> I'm a I was a pure mathematician um, turned into now a mathematical software engineer is what I call myself. Um, I, at the moment, um, have been teaching for five years the first-year numerical mathematics course at Cardiff University School of Maths um, <clears throat> and have become um, more and more uh, dismayed by the lack of what I regard as basic skills um, among my my, uh, my class. C can I ask, what are those basic skills? Well, I'll come to that in a moment. <laughs> um, and I'll uh, just say that I love computers. I use them and have used them a lot. Um, 
on two days ago, I was internal examiner for a PhD viva, um, of which the project um, was to model um, flow of viscoelastic fluids, including such things as um, um, the candidate had used the university's <coughs> high-performance parallel processing machine um, to determine such things as under what conditions if you drop a ball bearing into a, um, um, a beaker full of a viscoelastic fluid, um, does it actually bounce before it settles down and starts sinking at con constant velocity? And that is no mean feat computationally using, I may say, my favourite language, Fortran. Um, and um, on the other hand, I um, ask my students who I teach things like solving equations f of x equals naught numerically, um, <clears throat> a um, total class of about 112. I have 75 in the class and I ask them to say, why does y equals x cross y equals e to the minus x somewhere on the positive axis? And I'm sure all of you have a mental picture of line going up and the line coming down, and you know why that has a, uh, an answer. And when I was at school 55 years ago, in the lower sixth, I think everybody in my class would have immediately had the skills to draw the one pitch, one curve and the other curve and say, and even say, well, you know, after a bit of thought, um, well, y equals x starts off below e to the minus x when x is naught and sufficiently further on. I think I've got the rough. I can, yep. can I respond okay. to a few of these things? Because I'm kind of itching to do that. Right. Well, we'll, we'll okay. we still have time. So my, my point yeah. is that any amount of the sort of computer-based stuff that you were talking about yeah. will not give those skills which Tony Gardner has identified as the kind of skill which has to be developed okay, over I, time. Okay, I've got it. Okay. Right. I've got the, the question. Let, let me try and address a whole bunch of things. All this may come out in a semi-random order. Um, look, there's experience, which I think is what you're talking about, of different situations and being able to handle those. Some of the experience needs to be done because you actually do the thing by hand. And some of it is because you use a computer to gain much more experience than you could do by doing it by hand because you do many more cases and they're harder and so forth. There is a dividing line. I'm not suggesting people should learn absolutely no calculation by hand. But I'm suggesting you've got to be incredibly clear that the fault should be the computer unless there's a really good practical reason to do it by hand or unless you can really exactly point to the conceptual framework that you need going forward to have done that by hand. And I think if you think about the curriculum from that point of view, you build a very, very different curriculum that goes much f further, much faster and get, deals with concepts much faster. Let me deal with another few, uh, talking of analogies. Yeah. 
Should we take some more questions first before? Well, okay. I, <laughs> I, I wanted to just pick up on the analogy thing, which perhaps might help. Let's take other questions first. I'm wondering if we're coming back to uh, Bennett's original proposal about the different ages and different, we're talking different age groups, perhaps different topics. Um, not not age groups, but dividing lines, I think. Dividing lines. Okay, any more questions? I think there's a very interesting question. Uh, National Numeracy, Mike Ellicott, bet between where Conrad's computer-based maths kind of kicks in and what are the essentials that we need to learn in advance of that. And th the point I'd like to make kind of in response a little bit to the previous question, you know, only 22% of the adult population in the UK are working at level two, which is the equivalent of A to C at GCSE. So we have a vast swathe, the mass of the population in this country who have been switched off from maths at a very early stage yeah. or are working at a very low level. We need all of those people's skills to improve. And I think mathematicians and the maths community needs to address that whole area too. And I think Conrad's construct of the, f the four questions is, or the four elements of mathematics is what mathematicians at the top end are doing. But it's absolutely what people are doing in their everyday lives. And we need to try and support and strengthen that. Thank you. Um, I, I don't think that there is a chasm here in reality, but I do think that what um, Conrad is saying, um, and what Tony is saying, is that it should be non-negotiable that we start teaching rather better for a deep and robust conceptual understanding. Um, I think part of the difference lies in the fact that I would argue that the, uh, the evidence we have leads us to think that actually we, we need some fluency um, and some robust skills in order to develop those concepts in depth um, and that we ought to be concentrating on how we can do that rather better in our classrooms. And that, that's about teacher development, actually. But let me respond partly to that. I, I don't disagree. I think the question is what's robust and what's basic. And I think that's fuzzy for many people. Okay, and I think that I would have a different basic, I think, to what Tony would have and to what various other people would have. Let, let me come back on the analogy because I think it might help with this. I, I, I'm not sure I completely concur with your music analogy in, in terms of its representation, but let me do one I use and we'll see if we can figure out the music one too. Photography. Is the essence of today's photography learning how to coat a plate with chemicals or indeed load a film into a camera? I don't think so. I think those were mechanics of that moment. They were absolutely essential. You know, if you wanted to be a photographer, you had to develop films and know how to do that. Life has moved on. The essence of photography is a creative subject to do with representing the world, I, I guess one would say, in a, uh, in a particular way. Uh, you can define it in various ways. But that's the kind of outcome and the me mechanics have changed. And I think the idea that you need to start by learning how to load a film in order that you can appreciate the photography is the wrong basic idea. Now, you can argue about maths. You can argue that we have no evidence that if you don't learn the basic contract, what you're calling the basic constructs, that you can then go on to do more complicated, what we currently consider conceptually more complicated things. The fact is nobody's tried it before. And the reason they haven't tried it before is because they've assumed that's what you have to do up front before you try and take, uh, think about sort of higher level things like risk or significance, concepts or what an equation is or why you'd use it. 
Those, I mean, what an equation is or why you'd use it is fundamentally a different thing from solving a quadratic equation by hand using a procedure that you've learned by rote. They're different. Now, I'm not suggesting that, no, that people shouldn't learn any of the calculating end of that, but I am suggesting we should absolutely focus much earlier on many more of these conceptual pieces of framework that I think people don't get. They know, some of them, how to put the numbers in a formula to solve a quadratic equation. But most of them don't know when they'd use an equation. Tony's got a comment. Yeah. Or two. Just brief. The most frustrating thing in such a discussion is being misrepresented or misunderstood even by one's supporters. Uh, I did not mention photography and photographic plates. I mentioned music for a good reason. So uh, I don't have a view on photography. <laughs> I have just checked. I did not use the word basic at any point. I did not use the word skills at any point. I did not use the word fluency at any point. I think somebody's been reading too much of the curriculum drafts. Um, <laughs> I used other words. So let's be a little careful before we refute things or even embrace things which weren't said. On the music analogy. Yeah. Any more questions? <laughs> yeah. Ursula Bowden, I'm a maths teacher from a school in Oxford. Um, Tony, I enjoyed your talk. I think it got the nearest that anybody has today to actually addressing what I thought I'd come to listen to, which was what's wrong with the maths we teach not whether it should be on a computer, but actually what's wrong with the curriculum that we're teaching and the ways that we're doing it. Maybe I'm misrepresenting you. If I am, I'm sorry. Um, you'll probably tell me off later. I used computers when I did my degree in maths. I did a course on statistics. Maybe it isn't maths, but it's a good illustration. I got taught to use a computer. I learned to put, press the buttons and get a chi-squared result. I had no idea what I was doing. It was only when I learned to do it by hand that I then went back to the computer to find out what to do. So I think there's room for both, but I think we have to be careful that we do need to learn the basic constructs. Well, we do need to understand the basics. No, but that's my point about basics. Absolutely, just button pushing when you don't know what you're doing it for or how you'd use it or where it goes wrong is, is no good. But what I'd argue are the basics are understanding that, not and that that is not necessarily the same as how the computer does it or how you would do it by hand. The fact is people don't do chi-squared distributions by hand in the outside world. They do them with computers because they're doing them with lots of data. And the, you know, the way that computers do them is completely different to the way people do them by hand. So what you absolutely need people to understand, I completely agree with this, is how you deal with it, you, you can't assume the computer's going to get it right, because it depends what you've done with it. You need to understand how to handle that machinery. And that is absolutely not happening. I and mean, I would argue some of the financial crisis issues were because people were forced to do... They, they were used to doing the, the process they learned by hand. They weren't used to dealing with much more complex things through a computer and then verifying the results and knowing how to handle machinery where they didn't know what was going on, on the inside. In the end, machinery always means you don't know what's going on on the inside. And you've got to decide, if you really want to learn everything that's going on, on the inside, you're not going to get very far as the machinery gets more automation. And that's true of you know, whether you drive a car or an airplane or many other walks of life where machinery and automation have taken us much further. But you lose something with that. 
That's for sure. You lose the understanding of what happens on the inside, but you can gain a lot more as long as you do it right. I mean, as long as you don't ignore the fact that you can't just assume it's a great black box and it'll always get things right and you don't have to look at the answer. Okay, and before we go on to solving the world's recession, is there, any, there was another question up there, wasn't there, I think? Maybe less of a question, but I'm just going to throw something back to the two of you. Uh, my name is Vinay Katotia. I work at the Nafil Foundation. So given your analogy of machinery, the question I would pose to Conrad is, you can't give high-power machinery, whether it's a car, to take an analogy of sort of locomotion, or the camera to a learning child. So my question to you is, what sort of research program do you want to put in place so that before they can be given the car or the camera, they can develop the skills that you would like them to develop? As to Tony... I have a similar response. I really like the analogy between maths and music and marks on a paper and converting it. The difference I've found in sort of my brief experience with teaching is the music engages the child to want to continue yes, with the harder exactly. bits. And what the mathematicians will need to think about is how can we keep them engaged? You've not had five children trying to play instruments. <laughs> well, on the power of the machine, I mean... I think Conrad takes a provocative position publicly. In fact, he then sort of backs off, which may be a good tactic. Um, but, for example, the Estonians set up... The Estonians have an excellent mathematics education structure. And they're not replacing it with computer-based mathematics, as I understand it. They're developing a statistics curriculum, which is computer-based, which makes perfect sense. But I suspect they're not beginning it in year one. I suspect they're beginning it at a high school level. I don't know, junior high school level or upper it's primary. Middle school, isn't it? When they've established project. what the rest of us realise perhaps needs to be done first. And I entirely agree that statistics done by hand, it's a bit like D1, which is the biggest <laughs> abomination in the universe. Finding shortest paths in a graph with six vertices is, is just nonsense. So there are situations where you certainly need, and again, I think Conrad's been misrepresented, computer-based does not mean using a computer. Computer-based means actually allowing the computer to reinterpret what needs doing and what the, the human's function is. And yeah, it is a matter of timing, what needs to be done first, and it isn't you should do it from age 13 onwards or something, because what I was trying to say applies at age 5, at age 7, at age 11, at age 13, at age 16, at age 45, with different things. I think a, a mature adult coming to a new subject might be better off scribbling on paper for a bit before they engage the full... But they get more fluent, more willing to use the software as part of their fiddling. Uh, and that's a slow process. But I think the kid beginning is completely different from the adult's position. That's all, and it seems to get forgotten. So, I think what we've got is the question is not necessarily whether to use technology, but how to use it to support effective learning in the classroom. Tony, or, any comments? Which Conrad, bits of the comments? subject? Yeah. I mean, partly it's the question about proxies as well. Just to sum up. Okay, two, two summaries. Proxies. I mean, it's not that I think that the subject in education should be absolutely identical to the real-world subject, because there are things you need to do in education that are different. But I think you should start from the real-world subject and not try and teach a complete proxy to that as the default assumption. I think that's a mistake, because the real-world subject is highly conceptual, highly practical, and used. It's not, you know, in that sense, it's different from Latin. 
Um, second thing is, back to the music analogy. I mean, one of the things about music is, I mean, you can argue about what the outcomes are from somebody learning music. Most of the outcome is not they become a concert pianist or whatever. It's enrichment of their life because they enjoy playing music. And they do, pretty early, start playing actual pieces. They start using music, which is what they're going to go on doing. The pieces are simpler than they'd be, and they might do some scales to help them play those pieces. And later they do some more theory. But that's the order. They're doing things where they're practically doing the thing they're ending up going to do in the end to start with, at least as close as they can. And I think that's an important lesson for us in maths too. Thank you. One closing comment. If any of you or your colleagues try to make sense of the question that this debate has raised, namely how to make best use of it, how to improve what we do, please let us not commit the traditional English sin, like uh, MEP, does this ring any bells, microelectronics project, can computer-aware number. Neither of these were ever evaluated in a public way long-term. Please experiment Set something up and test it to see what the long-term effects are. That's what the community needs and that's what we've not had. We have gimmicks. Short-term, short-term funding and it's, we see what happens. Those of us who are old enough have seen what happens. Thank you very much. Thank you. And pass back to Bennett on that one. This is a podcast from Cambridge Assessment. For more downloads, visit cambridgeassessment.org.uk.